This is Unstructured. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Unstructured. Today, I have a really special guest. It is Victoria Mavis. She is a magician, a mentalist, and a podcaster. And somehow I think she's rolling all three together. How are you doing tonight? Very good, Eric. Thanks for having me on your show. Happy to have you. Now, can you give us a bit of a breakdown of what it is exactly you do right now? Yes. So I'm doing magic for all my life. I started when I was just four years old. I had the first contact and a friend of my father showed me how to make your thumb disappear. And (laughs) that was all I could do with my small hands at the age of four. And then I got a magic set at the age of seven and had my first stage show with it. And from that, it went on and on to becoming a member of the Magic Circle. That is a association of professional and amateur magicians. So it's the biggest in Europe. Also going to international conventions like in Las Vegas, in London, in different places. And uh, I did shows, all genres of shows. You know, there's close-up magic, very close. There's card magic and there is mental magic on stage, also big illusions. And then I tapped into all this mentalism and hypnotist thing and I thought mind magic is really the thing because I was always looking how can I improve people's life and add value to their lives without giving my magic secrets away because as you can imagine we are not allowed to do that yeah on that note what do you think of I believe he's called the masked man yes this is a thing there are really let's say, scary stories out there, what happened to this guy. And a lot of my colleagues are really angry on him because it is our job as a magician to keep the secrets of magic a secret because it is the art of astonishment. And people are very often disappointed when they know how an illusion is done. So really bad for the industry, actually. Hmm. Um, there are some, I, I think Penn and Teller kind of mix it up a little bit. How, how do you feel about their, their work? Yes, that is true. I mean, they are in the field for so long now and uh, I love the show Fool Us. So I think that was great. It's Yeah, hard because they are really walking down a small line there to keep the secrets and entertain people on the other side. But I always say you have the most of a magic show when you go there and just enjoy the magic and feel astonished by what is happening on stage or just in front of you. Like when you go to Disneyland or Disney World, because you enter this park and you leave reality outside to be amazed for this day. You don't think about if the roller coaster is really working and all that stuff. And it's better to just enjoy, be in the moment, be entertained and not sitting down there and analyzing everything. How can that work? And like what Penn and Teller do is sometimes like a contest with the audience. And this is always a thing like tricking people and uh, yeah, make them feel inferior to you. And 
not that easy. That's a really interesting analogy you brought up with um, Disney World. Um, have you been to Disneyland and or Disney World? Yes, I love it because I think that Walt Disney was really a visionary person, what he create, created out of nothing with everything. And uh, every time when I'm in the United States, I'm there. I also went to Disneyland in Paris. And I think, yeah, it's just pure magic to be there and, yeah, leave reality out. Well, when you brought up the fact that we don't want to necessarily see how things work, I thought of an immediate comparison because Disneyland was built, I believe in the fifties and it's landlocked, um, a very tight area. And there are things at Disneyland like trash cans and they get overflowing or there's issues. When he created Disney world, he actually built up the whole park on top of an underground network. Wow. So people can't see what's going on. There's all these tunnels and halls and everything else. So Mickey Mouse can go drop into the building and then go pop up somewhere else. Mm, very magical. I didn't know that. I just knew that uh, Walt Disney went to like 302 financial institutes mm. to uh, get the money for his park. And everyone said he's crazy and completely nuts and no one will go there. And he never gave up. He went to 302 before he got a yes. And I think there is really magic involved in that to believe in yourself, to believe in your vision and in your big dream and finally make it happen. And sadly, he didn't live to see it. Yes, too bad. <laughs> His brother did. But I, I did want to point out that the whole underground superstructure, because they learned from the original Disneyland that you know, there's things like trash cans. And they get, how do you how do you change the trash? Well, now you've got people walking around with a trash bag that they took out of the trash can in front of everybody. It really spoils the illusion. In Orlando, you don't have that. It is immaculate. Even the grass is practically measured to a specific height. Mm, wow, sounds almost like in Germany. <laughs> well, you guys have that reputation. I I don't know if that is um, fair or not. Yes, we do. And I think it is kind of. It's also that Germans are very serious when it comes to magic. So it's not really easy to break the ice. And this is why I love so much to perform in the United States or in UK, because you're so much more open for entertainment and, yeah, just enjoying things. Mm, okay. We're sillier is what you're saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's just you are also when you look at the film industry and compare it to Germany, I mean, it's hard for you to compare it. But in Germany, we have this dark gray film. So there's a lot of drama inside. And yeah, when you look at Hollywood, it's yeah, just great entertainment and making people feel good. And I try the same with my magic test just to inspire people and give them a good feeling, a good time and a good experience. You mean films like uh, Fritz Long's M? Yeah, kind of that. Yeah, that's a pretty dark, scary, creepy movie with Peter Lorre. Mm-hmm. But very effective. So that that's interesting. So uh, you're saying then, in the United States, we definitely are you know, kind of a junk food culture. Entertain us. And I'm sure that that's what you're seeking, is somebody who wants to be fooled. 
Yes, yeah, let's say just have the, the magical experience because as a magician, it is my job to make the impossible possible. And for me, that is just another day at the office, you know, and uh, it's inspiring to bring people on that track and to motivate them to make the impossible in their life possible. Now, what style of magic do you specialize in? I, I know you can do all different kinds, but typically, you know, you have a close-up um, magician versus a big illusionist. Like David Copperfield definitely has his own style with grand-scale illusions. Yeah, that is true, but he also does some smaller things. And I love both worlds because you need a different skill set for both. So it's very great to perform on stage with biggest things, with mentalism, to get this audience interaction, like doing telepathy and all these things. And then it's completely different to do close-up magic and being there with people directly on the table. And everything has to be perfect. So every slide has to be perfect because people are watching there from like, yeah, next distance. So very close, they can touch everything. And as a magician, you always have to know where is everyone looking? What are they doing? So it really consumes a lot of energy to do that. And as I said, it's a different skill level to create this illusion for people just in front of them. And many people say that in a big show, when they just would sit closer to the stage, it would be very easy for them to explain how the illusion works. But it's even better when it happens just in front of you or even in your own hands and you have no clue. Can you, would you mind taking some time and describing um, the different types of magic or, or things that could fall into magic? Yeah, there are really a lot of categories. So I didn't work in all of them because they are very specific. So we have, of course, kids magic that is completely different. Colleagues are doing that. Then there is comedy magic. There is a lot of comedy attached to it, but it's still magic. Then you mentioned the, the big illusions on stage like David Copperfield or Siegfried and Roy did. And then there is manipulation. That is the area of magic that is accomplished by sleight of hand only. Then there is this mentalism that is concerned with all that's going on in our mind, with mathematics, with uh, yeah forecasts, all those things. Did I forget something? And uh, yep. How about pickpockets? Would that kind of fall into there? Yes, that is like you could say a subcategory. So some colleagues do that combined with their shows. But it's, yeah, not that easy. I don't like it so much because then it, magic gets kind of a negative touch when you are not careful there. And uh, people sometimes make the joke when you come to the table, oh, the magician is there. I have to watch my money and all that. And I think, hmm. hmm. Okay. That's that's interesting. Have have you had um, troubles with a, a bad image or, or people having bad expectations. I don't know what the right term would be. Luckily not. Just as I said, sometimes the Germans are very serious and it takes some time to break the ice and then get them into the magic world. 
Okay. Do you have any kind of a religious um, backlash at all? No, no. I'm just focused on, yeah, entertaining people and giving them a good time. And I was always seeking for opportunities, as I said, to make this kind of knowledge that I gained over the years accessible for people because magic is like a combination of art and science and there's a lot of psychology involved in that as well as NLP, like the neuro-linguistic programming and mm -hmm. it has to do a lot with communication and how to you approach people and also like profiling them in a way because when you pick someone to come on stage you just have seconds to decide if this one can work on stage or maybe it's a troublemaker and there are only seconds to decide on that. So you really learn a lot. It's also the thinking mm -hmm. process of the reverse engineering, because, you know, maybe we think of making a car disappear on stage in two seconds. So from the physical laws, that would be impossible. And then mm -hmm. we have to think of ways how we can make it possible. And this is this kind of reverse engineering. So going from the vision back to the single steps to yeah accomplish that. Fascinating. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. So I didn't even think about when you said troublemakers and things like that. Um, that's similar to comedians in the sense of hecklers. Do you ever deal with that? Mm, it's pretty rare. So I think it depends on the stage persona and how you approach people. So they can feel if you are really confident. So I had that more in the beginning or when I was a teenager, of course. But now I know my skills. I know what I can do. And I also gained a lot of experience how to deal with them. I mean, you never know. And this is life entertainment. And I, I say that to people when something in the show happens, you, you really never know and you can't tell. So it's not like television or film. You do it again and uh, cut it out. It's, yeah, what happens on stage happens there. Now, in order to pull off illusions, um, they can actually be dangerous. I mean, I believe there are some magicians that have had fatalities. How, how do you deal with safety? Yes, sure. That is an uh, issue. It's also with the preparation and when you go in uh, pyrotechnics. So when there is fire involved, that is yeah, very easily then dangerous on stage. It also, I really love to perform the illusion, the Russian roulette, where you have uh, a nail, a spark involved, and you have five cups, and under one cup is the spark, the nail, and then the spectator has to feel by intuition where the danger is. And it requires a lot of concentration and really being in the moment. And this is something I teach people as well when I do a kind of consulting or coaching for them, because it really comes down to that, to be in that exact moment and to control the whole attention of the audience and being there despite all the pressure that's on you and performing, being there and give everything and have everything under control. So ultimately, all, all of magic, whichever version is, is a manipulation, correct? 
Yes. So as I said, there are different components that come into that. It's also like uh, deception and it's mm -hmm. leading the attention. It's misdirection. It's sleight of hand. It's also telling a story. Now, you also can use um, things in how we're wired against us too, right? Because I know like our, our vision is limited to be able to only track certain things at certain times. Um, there, there was a famous experiment with the uh, basketball when people are dribbling the basketball and people are shown a video of basketballs being dribbled between several participants and they're supposed to count how many bounces, et cetera. And I think it's uh, like 75% of them don't notice the guy in the gorilla outfit that's jumping up and down. Yes, I know what you mean. There are several videos on that out there. And that is really true because in every second, there are 11 million bits of information, but our conscious mind only gets about 40 of them and it depends on the filter you have at the moment so where your focus is that is also where your energy is and the thing is that you only see what you know so you think in these patterns and for my seminars i do with the people some pattern interrupt to break them out of the patterns and make them see new possibilities out there but when you're used to all that you are stuck in that kind of pattern and every time you learn something new you are open for new experiences new possibilities and you can see new chances and that is the advantage of us magicians that you in the audience don't know what secret tools we are using so you can't see them Even when they are directly under your nose, you can't see them because you don't know that they exist. No, that makes sense. Um, we're also not necessarily wired that way. I, I don't know if this would be a fair analogy, but um, when I was in the military, I could spot troops faster than um, anyone else in my platoon because I'm partially colorblind. Hmm, yeah, that's interesting. So um, uh, the top snipers in the military tend to be colorblind as well because you can't fool me with the camouflage as easily. Yes. So you see, that is all in your brain. That is all perception going on and everyone is different. Sure. Sure. And I'm wondering if that's, if that's kind of what you guys are banking on to a degree though, is you know that people can't quite see certain things and you know that if you draw focus over here, then they probably won't be able to pick it up over there. Yes, yes, that is so true. And we are kind of masters of distraction. And uh, this is why I put it the other way in my podcast and my seminars to really bring the focus back and to break people free from all these distractions that are happening. I mean, in a magic show, we do that on purpose and it's really easy to kind of fool adults it's another i don't mm. adults are that we are used to getting distracted all 
day long. So the kids sit there and yeah, they just look where they want to look. That's fascinating. It makes perfect sense though, because we shortcut. That's true. Um, and a lot of this I know is um, fight or flight and a matter of we identify something. If it's not a threat, we just, it disappears. It's off our screen. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're right. So that's fascinating. So now what you're doing with your podcast, because let's, let's go into that a little bit. Um, it sounds to me like you're sort of reverse engineering, um, magic in terms of our life, how, um, our environment is distracting us and how we could maybe see through it. Does that make, is that a good analogy or? Yes, absolutely. You are on the right track with that. That was the idea, actually. So to make it bigger than the entertainment on stage. And it's said that we are just using about 20% of our potential and staying way behind that. And I think magic is kind of a metaphor to make things easy, to accomplish them easy. And you never see all the preparation that goes in there. Uh, for example, with learning a, a slide of hand for card magic. So that can take a year for a three second slide and you won't see it. And this is the magic thing. And also people are talking about magic moments in their life. So that are really short moments normally when the magic happens and new doors open in a magical way. And I really love that topic. The deeper I got into all that, also the manifestation thing, how you can really bring things you have in your mind, like in a thought form into the physical world and everything is created twice. So first in your mind and mm. then in the outer world, it's like the chair you are sitting on at the moment and the microphone you are talking to that were all ideas and minds of other people and they brought it out into reality. And this is for me where the real mind magic comes in. And this is why my podcast is called Pure Mind Magic. And it's all about how, how to transform people into a mind magician themselves in their lives. That makes total sense. And actually that starts to get into the neuroscience, which I'm not deep in. I've had a neuroscientist on we actually do not um, see an object in front of us. We represent it when we get sent to our brain. So we filter everything. Yes, that is true. Whenever we look at something, we recreate it into our brain, into our own interpretation. Thus, you know, people can watch the same exact thing happen and everybody has a different story. Nobody's lying. Everybody's just seeing what they're seeing. Yes. And representing now, I'm curious, though, you, you brought up a very good point. I had a friend when I was growing up, he was very into magic, and I decided that I would like to as well and found out it's actually work. <laughs> <laughs> so um, really, it, you know, very quickly passing fad. It, it takes an extreme amount of time to, let's say, learn how to palm correctly. I mean, it, it, it takes a year to get that manipulation or, or more of just every day, all day long, just doing it and doing it and doing it. Now we're in a current environment where everybody wants hacks. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. heard that, you know, what is how to hack your life? And a hack is nothing more than a shortcut or another path into something. How do you reconcile that? Because, you know, considering traditional magic is actually very 
skill-driven, practice-driven, much like a musician or somebody else. Yes, that is right. So I fear that there is no shortcut when it comes to magic. You really have to put all the work in and it takes a lot of time and discipline to really do it and to rehearse everything by yourself before you go out in front of an audience. And I found out that the whole mindfulness process really helped me also to meditate and really get my thoughts clear. Because when I'm about to go on stage and sometimes there are 2000 people or more in the audience, there's a lot of pressure and it's really important to maintain your full concentration to be able to do everything on stage and I also go through all process processes during the show so I visualize everything what step I take and where all the props lay and that is what brings the show into a good flow and people can feel that and I also give that away kind of in my podcast how to go through all that and it gives you this strong feeling of confidence because you feel like you are exactly knowing what you are doing okay that's i guess part of the magic of that and that or other theaters you actually rehearse it to death so it looks like it's natural and not rehearsed yes that's true and it's like your the the mirror becomes your best friend in this time and that that has to be frustrating over time it, it i'm curious about the mastery aspect of it um do you have you heard of deliberate practice and the ten thousand hour rule yes i did Okay. Is that something that you've had to do in magic, like to uh, palm a card or uh, do something is to just keep doing it over and over to where you're slightly uncomfortable every time? Yes, actually it was and it is like that. So there are moves you have to do a thousand times. And sometimes it's really that your fingers start to hurt with it. And then the crazy thing is the better you get the the less people recognize it. It's not with uh, someone who's playing the piano because you can hear and see all the great skills this one has developed there. But as a magician, the better we are, the less you see the skills. Mm -hmm. Only a magician can appreciate it. Yes, that's true. That is that is fascinating. And I'm curious, um, is a um, mastery aspect of it do you just have a breakthrough point where like all of a sudden it works or do you just get, you know, incrementally better, 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 or is it a combination of both? Yes. Sometimes it is really this breakthrough then, and it just feels so good when you did the same move for a thousand times or something, but not always. I mean, it's, like with training so it's a it's a muscle and when you start to learn something new you're not used to it in the beginning and it feels hard so it doesn't matter what you are trying for yourself it's like when you learn to drive a car years ago so and then 
there comes this point where this goes to autopilot, of course, and then it's very easy. And we say in magic that it's perfect when you master this level, because then you can put all the energy into the presentation because people love stories and love the character, what you're telling around. So without the story, it would be just a pack of playing cards, but you mm. can bring them to life with a story. So the presentation may in fact actually be more important. Yes, it truly is. And for that reason, sometimes it's good to pick a couple of illusions for the show that don't require so much training and focus that just go easily because then you really have this focus on the presentation and the story and yeah, creating this special atmosphere around this effect. Okay. That, that makes total sense. I mean, and it, that's partly why some magicians are bigger names than other magicians, things like that. Right. Yeah, it's really connected to the personality because, I mean, everyone can go out there and buy a card trick. That is not the thing. It depends on what you create out of it. It's also like, can you, yeah, monetize that skills? Because sometimes it happens that people sit there and then they say, oh, yeah, I know how you did that. So, and then I think, great, but... Can you do it yourself or can you make money with that? And this is a completely other story, you know? Very, very true. And I was thinking of the ultimate showman um, was a fellow German, wasn't it? Um, Eric Weiss or Harry Houdini? Yes. Yes, that's right. And he was really a marketing expert. So until today, his name is kind of everywhere. So even people who don't know a lot about magic once heard of Houdini. Mm -hmm. I think Houdini, Harry Blackstone, um, Copperfield are probably up there. Yes, yes, that is true. And I think until now, magic kind of evolved. So it's more modern magic now what, what's happening there. But as I said, so Houdini was really good at marketing. And when you look into all the books of the magic history, he wasn't the best performer out there, but he was really good at marketing and setting things up and this big show and making people curious and putting himself in danger. And that, of course, attracted people to find out more about him. And he had this mystical touch to all the things he did, the, the escapes he did. So, yeah, really great talent in that. What I also liked about him, though, is he um, had the whole um, sideline of exposing frauds, which I, I really appreciate. He used his skills to say, no, mediums aren't real. Yes. Yes, you're right. Um, I, I did. I meant to ask you earlier, what do you think of some of the more, I, I don't know if it's modern anymore because it's probably been out for a while. You know, you're deeper into it, but I almost consider it like a, a punk rock magic, like Chris Angel. Yes, yeah, there are different opinions on him. I mean, 
he's really different than all other colleagues and normally people like it when people are really different and have their own style and i think he really created that with his reality show and what he's doing in las vegas i haven't seen his show so far i heard that it's not so good but yeah it's it's his style and uh, it's what he created out of it and david blaine he's another one who's Yes, he's really a charismatic performer in uh, New York and he does a lot of street magic. I uh, did this too in Venice, for example, so over here in Europe. And this is really fascinating to approach people on the street when nothing is scripted and you just start doing magic. And it's wonderful because it's like doors are flying open and yeah, people get really amazed and they say that... I made their day and it's, yeah, just really special what can happen there. That's so cool. Um, Have you, you should do that with somebody with their phone, like, and put it on YouTube. Yes, good idea. I could do that. So I'm improving my supernatural forces every day. Yeah, I'm I'm serious. Um, I think you're going to be a podcast movement. I'd love to see you do something like that there. Yes, I will be there, actually, and I will do officially close-up magic during registration on Monday. Oh, nice. Nice. I'll be looking out for that. Very good. Yeah, I can't wait to meet you there because, yeah, podcasting is like my new passion. I just fell in love with it like I did with magic so many years ago. And I thought it's so fantastic that you can create your own show and reach people all around the world. So there is something magical in it and for me it really changed my life since i started this this podcast and it was really like an impulse i got during one night it was after a a magic show and yeah since then i met so many great people and i'm flying over to philadelphia now to for podcast movement being involved there and this is also why i started to write a new book now i did one but it is out in german only and the new book is called how podcasting can change your life and it's kind of explains how much magic potential and really unlimited possibilities are in podcasting that's fascinating i kind of wanted to go there you mentioned that earlier um Podcasting, I feel, while it is very big right now, it is actually still very young. Very young. Yes. Yes. Um, I feel like we're about to enter podcasting 2.0, I guess, you know, not to use quaint terms, but um, I feel like the new thing in podcasting that's really hot is um, serial dramas. And podcasting is kind of mirroring the path of old radio which I, I loved. I, I grew up listening to tapes like Sir, you know, Sherlock Holmes and, and different radio dramas and things like that. I'm curious, though, because as a magician, you, you're wired differently to think of things in a different manner. And I'm wondering if you might see a direction in podcasting that I'm missing. And I, I would love to hear about where you could see it going. 
So to find out that, Eric, you should read my book, How Podcasting Can Change Your Life. But basically, it's about, as I said earlier, to make the invisible visible because the big visionary people like Steve Jobs or Amazon founder, those are people who could see worlds that were there, but other people didn't see those worlds and they created the worlds out of nothing. And for me, it's the same with podcasting. Most people can't see all the magic, all this huge potential that it's in podcasting, like you said, because it is so young at that date. Now I have to wait for the book? Oh, it's on, it's on pre-sale this week. So it will be out when you launch our interview on Amazon. Oh, okay. It'll be out um, Wednesday night, Thursday, somewhere in there. Yes. Oh, fabulous. Okay, so I will definitely look out for it, and you'll have to send me a link so I can put it in the show notes. Yes, of course. And then you will see the connection between magic and podcasting. Because when I come to a party or a network event and people find out that I'm a magician, this is really a special profession. So people start to ask questions the whole evening long around it because it's so out of all day life, you know. And I think you really need to be passionate to do this job, to be on stage, to inspire people and to get them into the magic world. And I think it's the same with podcasting. And I mean, you do podcasting also for quite some time. And I think it really takes a lot of passion to create something special and to touch people on a deeper and emotional level with your voice and the content you're presenting. Absolutely. And in your field, because it is so mysterious and it's built that way. Do you ever tire of the questions? Well, sometimes when it goes on for hours and you can imagine that people kind of ask the same questions when I come then to another event. And uh, sometimes I just thought maybe I should have a cover job. So to just enjoy the party and not answering questions all day long. And it's kind of the same with podcasting now, because of course in Germany, it, it is not that far as it is in the United States. And so people are really curious about and don't understand everything. And I think there is still some work for all of us podcasters to do out there to really inform people what a podcast is. And as you mentioned before, I think it's really like the radio from years ago now. Yeah, I think so too. And that's interesting. You brought up um, Germany, but your podcast is in English. Now, from what I understand, most Germans speak English, but was that a deliberate choice to reach a wider audience? Yes, exactly. Because I thought with that, it's like I'm targeting the world. So someone in Australia can listen to it or in Africa or in India. So wherever people are that understand English and this is one part that brings in these endless possibilities because you never know you lay asleep during the night and in another time zone, someone gets up having breakfast and just listening to your podcast. And maybe this person grabs one sentence out of the content. I think it's the same with your podcast, Eric, and it could 
change the course of their day. And that's magical. That, that's true. That's true. I mean, I use this to meet cool people like you. Yeah, you see, and uh, I met you and we met in person next week. So that is, yeah, so magical. Now, what do you have um, coming up besides your book? Well, I do have a couple of shows and I'm going to work on growing the podcast really big because, yeah, it's now my, my own show. And the next step would be to make the podcast a vodcast, like combining it with video because then there is more entertaining and it's also easier to yeah, put in some magic as well, because I did a lot of radio shows here in Germany and it kind of works with people listening when I'm doing things with them on the other end. But yeah, magic is a visual medium, so it has to be performed live and your big chance next week. <laughs> can you, out of curiosity, can you do mentalism over audio? Yes, I did this before, so maybe next time or I should bring you in on my podcast and then I do something with you in person to build this cliffhanger now for you. Sure, be happy to. Great. All right, now where can everybody find you, Victoria? Yeah, it's very easy. So as I mentioned, my podcast is called Pure Mind Magic. It's on iTunes, it's on Spotify, and it's on Podbean. And my official website for all the magic is victoria-mavis.com. It's Victoria with a C, and Mavis is spelled M-A-V-I-S. Well, thank you so much for coming on and helping us explore the endless possibilities you're very welcome and really i would like to invite you back on my podcast ask you some interesting questions and then performing some mentalism with you on the show sounds awesome i look forward to it fantastic hey everyone eric here i want to thank you again so much for listening i know your time is valuable so i really appreciate you taking some if you like what you hear please spread the word we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Unstructured P, as in podcast. Also, you can review the podcast in whichever app you use. It really helps a bunch to spread the word. Thanks again. Now, tonight's adventure into the unknown. Shut up and sit down. Sarge and Frenzy from the Sarge Approved Podcast. Uh, if you're not familiar, the Sarge Approved Podcast has a guest every episode featuring uh, people like actors, comedians, uh, survival experts, authors, martial arts experts, basically a whole gamut of badass people. Yes. And you can check out all our episodes on all the podcast platforms, iTunes, Spreaker, uh, uh, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, um, and yeah. you can check us out on all our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the things. It's all at Approved. Yep. Check it out, and we hope you enjoy it. Bye.